Deshaun Watson has officially requested a trade. Welcome to the talk show. James Harden wanted out of Houston. He made his way to New York, albeit Brooklyn. Now Deshaun Watson wants out of Houston, and it looks like he'll make it maybe to my team. The New York Jets are a significant player in this Deshaun Watson trade. Joining me to break it all down, Jake Asman. He is a radio host at ESPN Houston. He knows the deal. He's got inside scoop. We recorded this before the Texans hired their new head coach. That came as a shock to everyone. He had some insight on that as well. We talked New York sports as he is a New York fan, but he works in Houston now. So we talked a lot of Houston stuff. All that coming up, of course, as always, today's episode brought to you by Fanatics. Fanatics is where you can buy and sell all official gear for all sports, all teams. I get all my stuff there. Again, you got to go to podgo.co slash fanatics to get your orders today. 25% off if you go to podgo, P-O-D-G-O dot co slash fanatics. Let's get right into the podcast with Jake Asman. All right, joining me now from ESPN Houston and the Sports Map Radio Network, Jake Asman. Jake, thanks for doing this. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So you're like a lot of guys like us, and I'm going to jump right into this first because I grew up listening to sports talk and love it, love sports radio. You're there. You're living the dream now. Talk about that process, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a long time coming. You know, I grew up listening to you know sports radio my whole life. You know, going back to you know falling asleep with it on. You know, as a kid, or grew up going to sleep with a, a baseball game on. You know, with WFAN on. You know, growing up, so I've always been a huge sports fan, and um, I knew I was never going to be a professional athlete. So I knew I wanted to do something that would still allow me to be involved with sports and. You know, I went through high school, I went through college, and I always was kind of gravitating towards radio and just having a platform, having a voice, you know, not having to speak in sound bites, but just, you know, have time to express yourself. And, you know, that um, that immediacy that radio brings and the fact that your listener feels like they know you, right, that you kind of let them in on your life and you connect with your audience. It's what, you know, it's what makes radio so much fun. And I'm just grateful I have the, the opportunity to, to talk about sports for a living, really. So what was that process? When did you, was there a time when you decided, oh, wow, this is what I want to do? Um, and then how'd you go about that? How'd you end up where you are right now? Yeah, so, well, that's a, that's, that's a tough Loaded question. question. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, I would, so I was really lucky. I grew up on Long Island, uh, Sias in New York, and my high school had a radio station that was student run. It's one of just a few schools in New York that actually had like a, a high school radio station. So I knew in middle school that this existed at the high school. And I knew that when I got to, you know, Sias in high school, I was going to be part of the radio station. And, you know, as someone who would always listen to sports radio it was the coolest thing that is like a 13 year old. I was getting on the air once a week doing a talk show. Right. So I kind of fell in love with it at such an early age and had that experience. And then knew when I was looking at colleges, I wanted to go somewhere that had a really good communication program, which drew me to Ithaca college and uh, Ithaca offered an opportunity to get on the air right away and kind of work on play by play or doing a talk show, doing a podcast, you know, basically four years of, you know, uh, applying what I wanted to, to learn in the classroom or what I was learning in the classroom, but applying it, you know, with real life experience. So 
Uh, you know, it's it, it's definitely a loaded question because I don't think it was one you know, particular thing here or there that got me to where I am. But I, but I, I really believe that the four years of high school radio experience I had, you know, really helped me do well in Ithaca and then getting another four years of experience before I even graduated and started to look for a job. You know, when you think about it, having eight years of what is professional like experience before you even you know start looking for your first job. Um, that goes a long way. And I think that's allowed me to, you know, have some great opportunities in my career and it has led to, you know, my current position now. So I know you've done some SB Nation and you also did some work at WFAN as well, or what was, what was the first place? Yeah. So when I graduated from Ithaca in May of 2017, um, I was a part-time producer at the fan and CBS sports radio, they're in the same building. So I was doing that at a college. And then when I moved down to Houston to work for gal media, that's the company that owns uh, sports map radio and they own ESPN 97.5. When I was looking for jobs, you know, the, the appealing part of gal media was the fact that they owned the local ESPN station and they owned, you know, the national network. We're now called sports map radio. But when I first uh, moved to Houston at the time, the network was still SB Nation Radio, and as of July 2020, uh, the the name of the network was rebranded to Sports Map. So it's still the same company and still the same national network. But um, you know, just getting the opportunity to to be in a city like Houston and getting a chance to do a show every day has been such a great experience. So who did you grow up listening to? Who was that guy in New York? So I grew up listening to the Michael K show, you know, I'm a huge Yankees fan, right? So I mean, Michael K would be doing the games at night, but before that I'd listen to the radio show coming home from school. And, you know, I remember playing Xbox and then, you know, most kids like maybe listen to music. I have like, you know, the ESPN radio app on just so I could hear, you know, a radio show. I grew up listening to WFAN. So it was certainly surreal, you know, to be in that building and work there after college, you know, Mike and the Mad Dog was like the first great sports radio show. I heard growing up, but I really listened to everyone in New York. I was such a fanatical, you know, New York sports fan that, you know, as much as I loved my teams, I also had a connection to both the local stations and the market. So, you know, I was you know, the definition of a sports radio junkie growing up. So it must have been a crazy moment for you when Michael Kay said on his show about you, this guy will be a star. I mean, talk about that. I know you have that on your Instagram page. That That's crazy. Yeah, it was surreal. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Michael, but, you know, I, I feel as if like I know the guy, even though like I've met him a couple of times, but like I don't really know him that well. So, you know, in our brief interactions over the years for him to, you know, have that sentiment, you know, say kind words on his show about me, uh, just such a surreal moment. And he's a really good guy. I mean, that show, I think pound for pound is the best local sports radio show in the country with what the three of those personalities bring. And, uh, you know, for them, for Michael to mention me, that, that, uh, that meant, uh, that meant a ton. So that was definitely a really cool career moment for sure. All right. So we'll have our conversations about whether we think that that's the best show in New York or not, because I grew up listening to Boomer and Carton. So I might have something to say about that, but no, listen, I agree. We're not an active show though. That's the difference. See, I'm a Boomer and Carton guy too. Craig, Craig is someone that I've, uh, you know, growing up listening to as well, but he's not with Boomer right now. So I, I got to go with the K show. They're still doing it. That's true. So I would listen to WFN in the morning and then I'd switch over to Michael K in the afternoon. Now I have a decision to make for the first time. Now I'm like, okay, now I got to listen to Craig in the afternoon. And I go back and forth depending. Usually the sometimes the commercial breaks line up that that works out for me. Um, but you're now in Houston and it's been a whirlwind. When did you get to Houston? July of 2018, I moved here. 
So basically, since you moved there, it's been a whirlwind in the sports yeah. world for Houston. I mean, first, the Astros win the World Series and, you know, the the Houston Rockets come pretty damn close to getting to the finals and all that. Deshaun Watson, great quarterback for the Texans. And then everything just flips. There's the cheating scandal with the Astros. James Harden wants out of Houston. He's now gone. Now Deshaun Watson looks like he might be the next one. What's the pulse of the people there? What does it feel like there right now in sports media? Yeah, a lot of people are anxious. A lot of people are nervous, anger, frustration. I mean, when I first got here, right, the Astros were coming off their first ever World Series title. They were trying to repeat. They go to the ALCS. The The Rockets, you mentioned it, they just took the Kevin Durant-led Warriors to seven games, and many people felt, you know, if Chris Paul didn't hurt his hamstring, they go on to win that series and then go to the NBA Finals against LeBron, where they would have been a huge favorite to win it. And then you think of the, you know, the Texans, you know, they had this, you know, sensational rookie quarterback that only played six games because he hurt his knee, but, uh, you know, people were high on the Texans going into 2018. So that's when I first arrived, right? Since then, you have some of the things you brought up, right? The Harden trade, the cheating scandal. Over the last calendar year, we have seen every single head coach or GM, in the case of the Texans, it was one person, be fired for each of the three pro teams here, right? AJ Hinch and Jeff Luno, both fired by the Astros for their involvement in the cheating scandal. Mike D'Antoni, Daryl Morey, both gone from the Rockets. Bill O'Brien was both. He got fired after four games after the debacle of a DeAndre Hopkins trade, which we didn't even mention yet. I didn't I mean, bring that up, yeah. <laughs> it, it's been uh, it's been crazy, man. So, you know, it's, it's definitely uh, given me a lot to talk about. And what's kind of funny for me as a New York sports fan is the fact that a lot of these storylines relate to you know the teams I either root for or know a lot about rightly a carding goes to the Nets Garrett Cole signs with the Yankees you know obviously the Jets are rumored to be in on Deshaun Watson so I have a very unique perspective on everything as a diehard New York sports fan and as someone who lives in Houston covers the local teams for an ESPN station and has been on local radio here and I tweeted out yesterday because that was the next point I was going to bring up I tweeted out yesterday the Yankees can win three of the next five World Series. I will still feel the pain from 2017. That team was so much fun. And somehow the pain is worsened knowing that maybe Houston had a little bit of an advantage there. So you're sitting there kind of probably talking. You have to talk to fans and on the radio and have people come on and talk about the Houston perspective. And you're thinking to yourself, wow, they stole a World Series from me. Or, wow, I'd love to see Deshaun Watson be the quarterback of my team with Robert Sala. That would be great. And obviously James Harden going to Houston. There's so many different things. It's such an interesting dynamic. Do you say that you're a New York sports fan on the radio? What do you do? What's that dynamic like for you? Yeah, I I don't shy away from it. You know, it's interesting because when I am on locally in Houston, I'm filling in usually because um, I'm not a full-time host on the ESPN station here. I'm full-time on SportsMap. So even though SportsMap is based in Houston, I'm still doing a national show every day. Like whatever you would see on ESPN.com, the headlines there, like that's what I'm talking about you know, every single morning, whatever the big stories are in sports. So, you know, from that standpoint, like people know that I'm a New York sports fan. They know that I live in Houston. I wouldn't say that I change my approach when I do get the chance to be on locally on the ESPN station here. But, you know, I don't shy away from the fact that, yeah, I would freaking love it if Deshaun Watson, a top five quarterback in the sport, was playing quarterback for the team that I root for, right? But I I think you just want to you just want to, you know, cover it fairly, right? Like, yeah, we all have biases and whatnot. And you're allowed to have, you know, fandom, but you have to call it how you see it, right? Like, I don't try and hide the fact that I'm a Yankee fan, but I still think I could, you know, 
talk about the Astros and 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 be able to you know make a point that is you know backed up by facts and supported with evidence. You know what I mean? So you know your fandom's your fandom, but when you know you're doing a show, most importantly, you're trying to be entertaining, funny, add something new to the conversation. So you know it doesn't really get in the way of being able to do your job. Right. You said that um, Brooklyn, obviously a team that you're familiar with, not a fan of, but they got James Harden in the end. Now that's a very interesting story in the NBA. It doesn't feel like they're a New York team. Like they have more national attention than, you know, than local attention in New York, right? Because in New York, no one cares about the Nets so much, but nationally now they have those three superstars. What do you see happening with that team? You obviously have some familiarity with the city and those players and now James Harden as well. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I was not in favor of the trade when they made it because I just felt they were giving up way too much for only 18 months of a guaranteed championship window. Because if you look at the contracts of Harden and um, Kyrie Irving and obviously Durant, you know, they they all could be free agents after not this season, but the following season. Because you look at Kyrie and KD, they have opt-outs and Harden has a player option. So they can opt out of their contract and then if it doesn't go well leave the nets with nothing and they mortgage their entire future for these for these 18 months. If they win a championship, I will eat I will eat, you know, all the crow in the world. I will say it was worth it because this is a organization that has never won. But I just felt like they gave up way too much and traded away all their depth and this young core that developed under Kenny Atkinson and Sean Marks over the last 3 or 4 years. And yeah, there's no doubt James Harden's a phenomenal player, but I just worry about how those three egos will mesh and I specifically just worry about you know, Kyrie Irving and, you know, how committed he is to actually playing basketball. He's saying the right things now, but we've seen this before with Kyrie. So I would not have made that move, but I understand why they did it. If they don't trust Kyrie Irving, if he's going to show up to work, then you know what, at least whatever you want to say about James Harden as a player, guy always plays. Guy never gets hurt, never misses games. So having him out there with KD, that will give them a chance, even if Kyrie Irving does go AWOL or gets hurt or or something. Yeah. And Harden and KD together those first couple of games it looked like they were back in OKC I mean it looked like nothing changed it clicked perfectly right away then obviously bringing Kyrie back into the fold and my dad and I went back and forth on this he's like oh it's all entertainment I'm talking about we've met Kyrie a couple times and he's the nicest guy and it seems so interesting but maybe there's something else going on where he's just not interested in playing basketball like you said but that team has the talent to do it it's similar to the Clippers situation because the Clippers got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and it was like, okay, this is a two year window that we have this year being the second. And they're not even, what are they top four favorites to win the championship? It's a similar situation to that. You have a two year window, but you kind of have to go for it. uh, For Brooklyn fans, they're used to this. They've seen this before with the Jason Terry, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. This is not that right. This is a great, great team. This is a team that's, you know, these players are in their primes. Those players were over the hill, but like you said, it's nerve wracking and the pressure is maximized now because for guys like James Harden, who has never won before, or a guy like Kyrie Irving, who still wants to be the man in the championships, he kind of rode LeBron's championship, although he was incredible in that series. Now you got to, the pressure's on, you got to win right now. No doubt. And you also have a rookie head coach that is facing, you know, the pressure of making this work when there's no experience to draw back on. Yeah, Steve Nash was a great player, right? Two-time MVP, well-respected by everyone, Hall of Famer, all that. But guys never coached before. It's not like they have Greg Popovich or they have Phil Jackson, you know, coaching these three guys. So I just worry about that. You know, do I think it will work in the regular season? Sure. But 
I don't really care about the regular season. When the Nets made that deal, basically they have between now and whenever, you know, game one of the playoffs is to get the chemistry right, to figure it out. Because there's going to be some highs, there's going to be some lows during the regular season. It's basically the preseason for them, though. They need to be ready by whenever the playoffs start. And anything short of going to the finals this year now is an abject failure. Maybe you don't beat the Lakers if you play them. All right, fine. But they got to get, they got to at least get to the NBA finals. And if they go now next year as well without winning, I just don't think it's worth it if those guys end up leaving in 18 months. What is your prediction? What do you think will happen? I, I actually do think they could get to the finals this year. I still would pick the Lakers if they were to play, but it wouldn't shock me if they got to the finals. I'm probably going to fade them though, to be honest. Like if, if they're in the conference finals and they're playing a team like the Sixers and Embiid is healthy, they don't, unless they add some bigs down low, I just think they're going to really struggle to defend, you know, you know, just, you know, big front courts. I mean, we saw it the other night with Jared Allen, ironically destroying them. You know, I think the, I think the Nets have a chance to be great, but they're going to have to play some defense. If they can get some guys in the buyout market, that should help. But I just wonder about the overall fit of everything. I just, I don't feel comfortable picking them would I be shocked no but I probably would fade them based on who they play in the playoffs well you mentioned Steve Nash but the other guy they have there is Mike D'Antoni who was in Houston he he worked with James Harden there the other guy who worked with them there was Daryl Morey now I was a huge I'm, I'm a Knicks fan but I was a huge Rockets fan the Knicks were doing nothing and I was always rooting for the Rockets I love James Harden I think his game is different than any other game obviously before this year this year I kind of ate my words everyone was giving me crap about that but I love James Harden I love the Daryl Morey theory do you think Daryl Morey is going to make a trade, trade away Ben Simmons in another trade? We know he may have, he might've tried to do it for James Harden in, in Philadelphia. Do you think he's going to make a trade? Yeah. I just wonder who the, the player is that he would make the trade for, right? If, if he didn't, if he didn't trade for Harden when he could have had him, right. Who, who's he trading for? Like who's going to be the next, next, I Bradley guess. Beal. Yeah. It, but is Bradley Beal worth trading away Ben Simmons for? I, I don't know about that. Ben Simmons, you know, I understand, you know, offensively he has his limitations, but he's still such a good defender and he's still only what, 24 years old. So I don't know if I'd make that trade if I'm Daryl. I, I was shocked that he didn't go to the Sixers. I understand why maybe he, he didn't pull the trigger on it because of what the Nets gave up and whatnot. But um, I, I got to admit, I, I was surprised that when it came down to the Nets and the Sixers, Daryl wasn't all in. They got a guy that, you know, he claims is the best offensive player ever. So that, that surprised me a little bit. So I said, there's two ways to look at it. There's, do you think Daryl was not all in, or do you think it was the Houston ownership kind of, you know, they had a falling out with Daryl Morey. They didn't want to give him what he wanted. What, what do you think happened there? I, I think the ownership thing, yeah, there's some validity to that. Tillman Fertitta, the owner of the Rockets, would never admit it, but I, I do think there's something to that for sure. I mean, Daryl Morey told Tillman Fertitta he was going to take some time away from basketball to spend more time with his family, and then two weeks later, he's named the you know the president of the Sixers. So, like, how does that look, right? So, I'm sure you know Tillman Fertitta didn't want to trade away his prized asset to 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 the Sixers, but at the same time, if the Sixers were giving you the best deal you take that deal. I can't criticize the Rockets because I thought they did really well in the Harden trade. I just wonder what, you know, if you gave Daryl Morey truth serum, was he just saying those things about Harden to pump him up because he was his guy or, or did he, you know, did, or did he genuinely believe that? I, I, only Daryl can answer that question. So I'm not sure, but I am surprised that he's not a sixer. That's for sure. So I'm surprised as well, just because that's all the things you just said. Daryl Morey, it's interesting because he spent years trying to put whoever he thought was going to get the most out of Harden in the Houston Rockets system. You see everything that he did. It was not to build the team as a whole. As a whole. 
it was more to get to maximize what you can get out of specifically James Harden. Maybe he didn't want to do that again. Yeah, I just think maybe he wanted to try and do his own thing in in Philadelphia, right? He has a, a he has the most probably the most talented player, not named James Harden, on his team for the first time, and you know Joel Embiid if he stays healthy. Maybe he looked at it like, you know what, we could build something here. We got we got some shooters for Embiid and Ben Simmons to space out the floor. Maybe we don't need James Harden. And will they regret that? I guess we'll see what the Nets end up doing and how Harden plays in some big spots. But you know, I think we got to look at it from this perspective too. Harden on Brooklyn is one of three, right? And we all understand KD is the best, you know, pound for pound, the best player on that team. He's probably the second best player in the league when he's right. If Harden was on the Sixers, he's probably going to be the guy that that, that it takes the last shot over Joel Embiid. Like he's still like, it might be Embiid's team, but Harden's the best player on that team. And maybe Daryl was like, I don't know if I can win a championship with Harden as my number one. Brooklyn was like, he doesn't need to be our number one. He'd be on number two or number three on some nights. And they figured it out from that perspective. So I think Daryl was like, you know what? Let me wait for the next big time superstar. They become available and see if he fits better with what we have already in place. Unfortunately for Brooklyn, I think that on some nights, their number three is going to want to take the last shot, that being Kyrie Irving. So um, moving over though to football, do you think Deshaun Watson will get traded? I've been asked this a ton. If you told, if you asked me two weeks ago, is he getting traded? I would have told you no. I mean, I had it on the record from some pretty good sources in that building. They are not moving him. And now I checked in with someone the other day, and let me see if I can find. I'll pull up the text I got from someone. But it uh, basically it went from it's bad. I think it was it's yep, it's bad, bro. So I'm like, uh, and I'm like, so what's your gut tell you if he's actually traded? I still find it hard to believe. And he and this person wrote to me, could happen. So. I wouldn't be surprised at this point. I, I think the relationship between Deshaun and ownership is going to reach its peak. I think Deshaun wants to kind of be the, the modern NFL player that can kind of wield that NBA like superstar power. I think that's something that's important to him and his agent, David Mulligetta, who's kind of like, you know, the, the next hotshot agent in, in NFL circles, so to speak. And I just think Deshaun didn't like the fact that they were disingenuous with him. And, you know, he sees Josh Allen having success, sees what Mahomes is doing, and he sees all these young quarterbacks having all the success. And Deshaun thinks he's just as good as these guys. And he doesn't know if he can win with the Texans right now because they have just screwed everything up from a draft capital perspective, a salary cap perspective. You know, the head coaching hire has just been, you know, a clown show circus, it feels. So, you know, right now, gun to my head, is he traded? I actually think he is, which is crazy because if you asked me the same question just a week and a half, two weeks ago, I would have said no way. Who do you think they'll hire as the head coach? I'm hearing Leslie Frazier or Jim Caldwell. It will not be Eric Bieniemy, from what I've been told. Okay. Now, would I hire Bieniemy? I would because if that means Deshaun Watson's happy and maybe you can keep him, all right, fine. But I, I keep hearing the name Leslie Frazier. Guy's been a coach before, has experience, did a good job with the Bills defense this year. And Caldwell, I mean, he did a nice job when he was the Lions head coach and he has previous coaching experience with, you know, Peyton Manning and Indy, but he's been out of football for a couple of years. So that's not exactly a very inspiring hire, but it sounds like from what I've been told, it's down to Frazier or Caldwell. And then David Culley is getting a second interview. He's the assistant head coach of the Ravens. I, I'm shocked he's getting another interview. I guess he's still in the running if they're interviewing him for a second time, but my, my best guess is that they're going to end up hiring Leslie Frazier. I will say this though, because I made this point on the radio today. If they don't hire Frazier by the end of the week, then maybe the enemy is a real candidate, but I was told by someone it will not be the enemy. So I, I will stick with that. 
if it was going to be Brian Dable, I'm sure we would have heard the news this week, correct? Definitely. Yeah, Dable, I think, uh, put it out there through his agent that he's going to come back to the Bills for another year and then reevaluate his coaching status for next year. He'll probably be like the the Robert Sala of next year. next year's like coaching class. Like, we all knew Sala was going to get hired this year. Luckily, it's my team, the Jets, that hired him. But, you know, Dable, I think, will be like that type of coaching candidate in people's eyes next year. Yeah, I really wanted to see him go to the Chargers because I would have loved to have seen what he could have done with a similar type quarterback. Um, like you said, you talked about the kind of shifting to the NBA style athlete. You see Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, who both work their way out of teams. Now they're playing against each other in the Super Bowl. So maybe it is something that could work in the NFL. I hate it. I hate the way the NBA is. I, I understand moving around the free agency. I don't understand asking for trades and asking out while I understand that the players won't control, but you sign a contract, you have a certain commitment. What do you think? And do you think the NFL is moving to that direction? I totally agree with you. I didn't like it all what James Harden did, but the problem is with the NBA, it's like these stars are just so valuable. They can get away with it. I don't think this will become a new thing in the NFL. It takes a very unique circumstance for something like this to happen. Like the Jets didn't need to trade Jamal Adams, but they weren't going to be good with him this year. And they got two first round picks for him. You do that trade any day of the week. Like the Dolphins were not going to be good when they had Laramie Tunsil. He wasn't asking out, but they got two first round picks for the guy. So sometimes, you know, the value of a trade is too good to pass up, right? The Nets got great, or, or excuse me, the Rockets got great value for Harden. If you want to go back to the NBA. So you understand why they had to do what they had to do. As much as I'd love to see a team just stick it to the player and say, no, we're not trading you. You know, you only have a finite amount of time to win in these respective leagues. If you're a coach or a GM, right? So a lot of times you got to be able to take a deal that can put you on a path towards winning. So if a team did come to the Texans with a couple first-round picks and the Jets offered the second pick in the draft and a couple other things, maybe they would consider it if the situation's as bad as some may think it is. But I don't think this will now be something that happens all that much in the NFL, especially with something like Deshaun Watson. Like, this is such a rare example because it's never happened before, right? This was like, you know, the combination of incompetence from ownership, head coach and GM, uh, the character coach, Jack Easterby, who never should have been in a position of power, now has uh, responsibility in that organization. Like, there's nothing to compare to Sean Watson's situation to. This is a, a situation that will, you know, start a new trend in the NFL. So let's play GM for a second. You're the Jets GM. I'm a huge Jet fan myself. What do you give for Deshaun Watson? Yeah, no, I mean, I'd give as many as four first-round picks if I had to. I would trade the the two picks this year, including the second pick, which no one's beating that offer because you're giving the Texans a chance to take any quarterback, you know, not named Trevor Lawrence. And I would even offer, you know, the the, the Jets' first-rounder next year and Seattle's pick next year because Deshaun Watson's that good. And I get it. That's a lot to give up for one player. This one player is a top-five quarterback in the sport. He's 25 years old, and you have cost certainty through the year 2025 with him. Like that's the guy you go out there and get, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to, if teams are going to trade two first round picks for Jamal Adams or Jalen Ramsey, then hell yeah, I'd give up, you know, as many as four first rounders for Deshaun Watson. And then if the, the Jets, if they were smart and they, they would do this because I actually believe Joe Douglas is competent, which is something that Jet fans have not been able to say about their general manager in about a decade, they could then can flip Sam Darnold for either a late one or a second round pick and try and recoup, you know, some of the draft capital, uh, capital there. The Jets have 19 picks over the next two years. If you're going to use your draft capital, you might as well use it on a guy that you know is a top five quarterback uh, at his position and go, give yourself a chance year in, year out to contend for a championship when your quarterback is that good. But here's the caveat. I don't think it will cost them that many picks to get them. If Deshaun Watson is dead set on going to New York, 
he could tell the Texans, I'm not going anywhere except these couple teams. And the Jets make the better package, can put together the better package than any team. So it might not take four first-round picks because Deshaun could say, I'm only going to the Jets. I'm not playing for you. I'm only going to the Jets. And the Jets could say, all right, well, why are we going to bid against ourselves? Come back to us when you have a better offer. And Deshaun could say, well, I'm only going there, so take whatever you can get because I have a full no trade. That's what's so um, fascinating about this situation. It'd be one thing if Deshaun didn't have a no trade. Then the Jets might not be the favorites to get him because any team could make an offer. If he wants to be a Jet, all of a sudden the Jets don't need to bid against themselves knowing that they have the second overall pick and that will get it done. Right. So as a Jet fan, here's how I see it playing out. You know, you build the draft capital, like you said, in order to get a player like this. This is why you make all those trades. It was why you traded Jamal Adams. You built all those draft picks to get a player like this. But the way I see it is Woody Johnson comes back. He wants to make a splash. He bets against, you know, he negotiates against himself, I should say. And ends up offering way too much than that he should have. And then he gets upset because that causes a divide between him and Joe Douglas. And he fires Joe Douglas in two years. And then two years later, the team's not winning. So he fires Salah again, Jets fan mentality, but that's the way we think. Why do you think Deshaun Watson would want the Jets? Do you think he actually does? Yeah. So I think Deshaun uh, really wanted the Texans to interview Robert Salah. I, I think overnight the Jets reputation changed. I mean, Joe Douglas was already highly respected by football people by agents by players he had a great reputation with the bears with the ravens with the eagles no one says a bad thing about joe douglas and he had a very good first draft so i think deshaun looks at it and goes well salah is highly respected all i need to know about the state of the jets is that you had richard sherman come out on his podcast with chris collinsworth and say that deshaun should force a trade to the jets the Jets won two games this past year. So the fact that Richard Sherman, because of the who they hired at head coach, is so confident in the Jets being a team that Deshaun can win with, that tells me all you need to know about, you know, the, the reputation of the Jets changing overnight by hiring Robert Sala. And I also think Deshaun's the type of guy that would love to be in the big city. Like Deshaun is the type of guy that I think would love to be a star in New York. I mean, it's about time New York gets, you know, another superstar caliber player. I, I mean, as great as Eli Manning was, he was not, you know, a top five quarterback, right? You know, Joe Namath played in the sixties, like the Jets and Giants have not had a star at quarterback since Namath. And Deshaun is the most talented quarterback either one of those teams would have ever had. So I think, you know, the, the fact that Deshaun, his marketing guys from Brooklyn, the fact that he's always in New York during the off season, I think he likes the idea of kind of being, you know, the guy in New York. So for that reason, for Sala, for the fact that I think um, Deshaun is very conscious of his brand. I think New York would be something that'd be really appealing to him. I really do. Well, Richard Sherman should put his money where his mouth is because he's a free agent. The jets need a corner. So, and they have cap space. So it wouldn't right. Exactly. Me. You know, they bring Sherman in on a one or two year deal. And we, you see this a lot with new coaches, you don't remember when Rex Ryan got hired, he brought it, he, you know, he brought in Bart Scott and Jim Leonard with him from the Ravens. You always like to bring in a couple guys that know, know your coach, know your defensive system or your offensive system and can kind of establish the identity of the team inside the locker room. So would it shock me if Deshaun Watson's a jet and then Richard Sherman comes with them? Not at all. I think that actually would be awesome. And it's funny because I used to, uh, you know, I used to always argue that Darrell Revis was much better than Richard Sherman to a point where Sherman has me blocked on Twitter uh, like for saying that to him on Twitter like eight years ago. And now, you know, I'm I'm the number one Richard Sherman fan if Deshaun Watson becomes a Jet. 
Well, listen, I'd love to have Richard Sherman. That doesn't change the fact that Darrell Rivas is the greatest corner ever. I mean, he's the greatest cover corner, one-on-one man coverage corner ever. My favorite player of all time. So that's that. But um, if the Jets don't get the Sean Watson, if they go a different route, what do you think? What do you see from this team? What do you see them doing at two? Uh, I think they're going to draft either Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. I'm a huge Sam Darnold fan. I love the guy. It pains me that it has has not worked out here. The fact that Sam's two coaches were Foles and Adam Gase and his offensive coordinator, your one was Jeremy Bates, who's not even in football, and Adam Gase might never be in football again. Like, it pains me that Sam has had to deal with the BS that he's had to deal with. That being said, he has not played well enough. So if – if the Jets are in a position where they're evaluating these quarterbacks and they fall in love with someone at two, assuming, you know, they, they don't have Deshaun Watson, I'm, I have no issue with them taking a quarterback. I think Sam just might need a, a fresh start somewhere. If they run it back with Darnold, I do believe he'd have success here, but it's I, I can't be that confident in saying that. I, I like Sam. He's 23 years old, but uh, I, I, I would hope that they evaluate Sam, how he compares to Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. And if they believe in either one of those guys, they believe that Zach Wilson's a better fit and LaFleur's offense going forward, then you you add in the, you know, the aspect of the contract situation with Sam going into year four, and you got to worry about that fifth-year option, which is $25 million fully guaranteed. That's a lot of money to, to commit to a guy that you still don't know about. So if, if all things are even, let's say they think Wilson and, and Darnold are comparable, they're probably drafting a quarterback for that reason alone. So I, I do think the Jets end up taking a quarterback at two because you got to look at it from this perspective as well the Jets are not going to be in a, in a position to get a quarterback this high again. Like they're not going to be this bad again next year. They just won't be like, there's no chance that happens with all the money they have in free agency, all the draft capital. And the fact that Salah, if he's just average is a thousand times better than Adam Gay. So you're not going to be picking this high next year. So if you're the Jets, you need to, you need to keep that in mind when you're evaluating these quarterbacks. I'm going to take a quick break to talk about anchor. And then we'll be right back with more from Jake Asman. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, for the first year, we get to actually kind of appreciate Tom Brady because we're not so harshly rooting against him because he's not in New England. What are your Super Bowl predictions? I'm going to take the Bucs. I've been going back and forth. I think I was on a show earlier and I said I was uh, leaning with the Bucs. I'm going with the Bucs, so I'm going to be all in on it. Why not? We need Tom Brady to stop Jackson Mahomes' TikTok videos and you know Patrick Mahomes' uh, fiance's videos. I, I can't take it anymore. A lot easier to root for Brady now that he's no longer on the Patriots. And I think it'd be uh, pretty surreal for him to knock off Mahomes at home, technically, you know, at that stadium. So, you know, I, I think it's a great game. I think the line's like three, three and a half. I think it's, I think it's right. I think it's a, it's a, you know, whoever has the ball last type of game. And uh, you know what, for the, the, the storyline aspect alone, 43 year old Tom Brady, first year with a new team wins his seventh uh, Super Bowl championship. I love the storyline of the Bucks. Yep, absolutely incredible. Do I have time for a little Yankees? Let's do it. All right, so I'm kind of disappointed with the offseason, and here's why. I understand the 210, and I understand staying under that. I think Yankee fans, by the time we signed DJ LeMahieu, it took so long. 
that Yankee fans are like, oh my God, we signed DJ LeMahieu. This is a great offseason. Keeping your own best player as a Yankee fan growing up didn't used to mean a great offseason. You have Garrett Cole now. You're giving him that money, the $324 million, the money you're going to be paying him at the end of that contract. We saw what happened with CeCe. It's not, he's not going to be worth that money then. The window is now. You got to win now. Why are they nitpicking like this? Well, I, I would just say, who, who do you want that was available to them? Like, what would you have done if you were if you were Brian Cashman? Good point. But still, <laughs> I mean, listen, I the rotation, you wanted reliability. Masahiro Tanaka, a guy that the Yankees loved and was great in the postseason. The one thing he gives you is reliability. Listen, I love Corey Kluber. I love Jamison Tyon. They look like great guys. They could be awesome. But the one question with them is, they're not reliable. And that's the question with everyone after Garrett Cole, who, who knows what you're going to get from Jordan Montgomery, Davey Garcia, Clark Schmidt, Luis Severino, all question marks. Yeah. So I agree with you with Tanaka. If it was between Kluber and Tanaka, I would have just brought, I would have just brought um, Tanaka back. But as far as the other moves, like you knew they were not going to go over the, the luxury tax, right? So you were not going to get Trevor Bauer plus him and Garrett Cole don't get along. That, that really would not have made much Didn't sense. Didn't want him. There were not any like stud pitchers that were out there like James Paxton like we just saw what he is like you're not bringing him back and so I I think what the Yankees will do is they'll make a a big in season trade if they need more pitching but their strategy of basically just accumulating a bunch of arms, I think is great because they have probably have now eight or nine guys that could start for most teams in Major League Baseball so yeah would it be great if Kluber's healthy and Jameson uh, Tyone is as great as he was in 2018 in a perfect world sure would it be great if Luis Severino comes back from Tommy John and he's outstanding or Domingo Herman pitches this year and he's outstanding that'd be amazing we all know that's not gonna happen so you might as well just take a chance on as many guys as possible and hope two or three of them are really good. You know what you have in Cole. I like Montgomery. I think he's a good number three, number four starter in a rotation. So you have those two guys and would I have loved to see Tanaka back. I would, but the hope is they evaluated Kluber's medical stuff. They feel confident enough to bring him in. You hope you get something from him and Severino and Herman. And, and by June, the rotation, you're feeling pretty good about it. If a couple of these guys hit. So I understand uh, the kind of the frustration because the Yankees should probably have more reliable starters. But I think if you look at what was available to them, like they're doing the best they can, like Luis Castillo from the Reds would have been great, but they asked for Glaber Torres. You're not going to trade him. So um, it's kind of like a fine line for the Yankees, but offensively they're as good as any. And I'll tell you this as a Yankee fan, the rest of the league, look at what's happened in the American league, right? The blue Jays, they're good. Their lineup is awesome. Their best pitchers hinge in Rio. They have no bullpen. Like, Okay, great. The Rays lost Blake Snell and Charlie Morton. Are they going to be as good? No. The Astros just lost Springer, and they don't have Verlander this year. Are they going to be as good? Like, who really who really scares you? The White Sox? Yeah, they're good. The Yankees could beat them. Like, so there's a reason why the Yankees still have the second highest odds to win the World Series. They're still loaded, and I think Yankee fans remember, you know, a weird 60-game season losing to, you know, the Rays 2-1 to in Game 5 is like this team being so far away. I don't think they're that far away. They ran into a really good race team that went to the world series and they got beat, but I, I still think they're the second best team in baseball right now. If the season were to start today. Since 2017 though, it has kind of felt like, okay, we're just going to run it back and see what happens. And it doesn't feel like the team ever was even as good as the 2017 team. 
well, that 2017 team got hot, right? They were a 91 win team. And then, you know, the 18 team was good, but that Red Sox team was historic and it was a disappointing loss. Then you go to 2019 and, you know, that team was amazing despite all the injuries. And this past year in 2020, it was only 60 games. You knew the Yankees were going to get in. Like there was never a doubt. And it was just all about the playoffs. And, you know, they got beat by a really good race team. So I think they're clearly better than what they were over the last couple of years. I mean, they, they have all these young players that now have all this experience. They still have a upper echelon bullpen. I think signing Darren O'Day earlier today was a good move to bolster that pen. He's like, he, he's basically what Adam Adovino should have been if they trusted him in a big spot in the playoffs. O'Day actually has, you know, playoff experience and we've seen him get big outs before. So I like that move. So I think this team is still really, really good. I, I still think they're going to win the AL East. I still think they're going to be, you know, in contention for a championship. The The biggest concern is the starting pitching. And you hope that, you know, out of the guys we just mentioned, two or three of those guys step up to the plate. And if they do that, I think the Yankees will have a, a, a team that can win a world series. I really do. After 2016, 2017, and this past year, or not 2017, but 20, yeah, 2017, 2016, and this past year, who closes a game for you in a big spot? One run game World Series. In the, out of the Yankees bullpen? Yep. I mean, there, it, it's still going to be Chapman. I feel more comfortable, though, with Britain. I mean, you know, Britain, agreed. Britain's been money in, in some big spots. I mean, he was great in the playoffs against Tampa. Uh, the, the Chapman thing is, it's like, I don't really know what you do. Like, obviously, like, you got to keep giving him the ball. You're paying him as your closer. And then it could maybe send shockwaves to the rest of the team if you replace him with Britain and, Chapman's not going to be an eighth inning guy. Like, I just think that, that that's just never going to happen. So, you know, Britain would be the guy I choose, but you know, I, I just think we know the answer is going to be a role to Chapman. You hope that, you know, maybe the Yankees score enough runs where it doesn't come down to a role to Chapman having to come in, you know, a one run game, you know, that's in the, the hope. Yeah. Okay. And after losing, you know, Tommy Canely, who all Yankee fans loved, it would have been nice to have seen them bring in another arm, but I agree with you. This team is good enough to win. They just have to put it together. And if they win, all Yankee fans would just shut up. I mean, it would be, we wouldn't talk about it anymore. I got to hit the playoffs, man. I know everyone wants to talk about starting pitching, but I get so frustrated when I watch this lineup mash in the regular season and then the playoffs come around and they can't get a hit to save their life with a runner in scoring position. You know, like, like they lost game five, two to one. You know what, what I mean? What about small ball? Like, what about? It doesn't exist. You know, everyone's got a launch angle and strike out this, strike out that. Like it's, it's it's just it's gone too far, man. Put the ball in play. That's what makes DJ LeMahieu amazing. That's what makes him underpaid. Like like who would you rather have in a big spot, George Springer or DJ LeMahieu? Springer's making like double LeMahieu, and I'd rather have DJ up in any big spot, right? So like putting the ball in play, using the whole field, like that's what made Derek Jeter a Hall of Famer. Like that's why DJ LeMahieu is one of the best hitters in baseball. The Yankees need more guys that just go up there with an approach to put the ball in play, use the whole field, and not try and swing for a home run ever at bat. I mean, it's, it's just maddening to watch these playoffs and the Yankees lose these tight games and they blow all these opportunities to get a big hit. Do you think there's a mindset shift in this current roster that can do that? I hope. I hope, but it just seems like like no one switches what they're doing, right? They, 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 Aaron Boone would point to the Dodgers who just matched their way to a World Series. Like, yeah, like that. that's great, but if you're the Yankees, like, you need to you need to just find ways to score more runs. Like we could talk about the pitching all we want, and like and and oh well, our lineup. We know that we're gonna just hit a lot of home runs if you just give us a, enough of a sample size. Well, 
the, the playoffs, you don't have a big sample size. So if you've got to make some adjustments in game to try and put the ball in play, do it. So the Yankee fan doesn't have to watch you guys strike out a thousand times and go home early. Like, you know, the thing I'll get on the Yankees for is that we see all these teams at least get to the world series. You know, the Yankees haven't won since 09, but they haven't been back since 09 either. Like I'd like to see this team actually get past the, you know, the LCS and go to the world series. Anything short of that this year would be a massive disappointment. Exactly. Anyway, plug what you got to plug and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, Instagram, Twitter at Jake Asman. That's uh, that's all I really have for you. <laughs> all right. Awesome. And obviously sports map radio network gets online, correct? Uh, so it's on terrestrial radio stations throughout the country. And then you can listen to the show at sportsmapradio.com. Awesome. All right. So we'll definitely do that. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it, Marami. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Thanks to Jake for coming on. Super Bowl preview pod coming up. We're going to break it all down. Coming up soon. Until then, here is Jovi.
just a mile to road. Take it in, take it with you when you go. Who says you can't go home? Who says you can't go back? Been all around the world, and as a matter of fact, there's only one place left I wanna go. Who says you can't go Did you care?